Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 5. Here. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun Wednesday edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Call it a hump day edition. Call it a midweek edition. Whatever you want to call it, just don't turn it off. Whatever you do. All right, here's what we're going to talk about on today's show. Uh, first of all, a mega guest I'm going to tell you about in a minute. Before that, though, two quick topics before we get to our guest. Uh, one, big game this weekend, Texas A&M versus Arkansas, Jerry World, Saturday night. Uh, it is one of the more intriguing games coming into the weekend. We'll start previewing the games on Thursday's show. But I have this thought. Is this, and no offense Texas A&M fans, but is this America's most liked coach, Sam Pittman, versus America's least liked coach, Jim Jimbo Fisher? I'm not saying that's my personal opinion. I'm just saying that that was a thought that I had. Is this kind of a good versus evil? You like Pittman, you don't like Jimbo Fisher, you like Arkansas, you don't like Texas A&M? Food for thought, we're going to discuss that. From there, we will switch to basketball. A little bit of a sad story, honestly. Amani Bates, the former five-star high school All-American, was can't miss. Well, he is very much missing. And, uh, you know, Sunday night got arrested. We're going to talk about that, what went wrong, and frankly, what his future holds as his, uh, his career is kind of falling through his fingertips right now. Really sad story, but we got to hit on that. Finally, we wrap. I told you. We have... A very big guest. How about this? Tim Tebow, former Heisman Trophy winner, former first-round pick. Listen, here's the I only got about 10 minutes with him. It was a quick interview, uh, but we covered a lot of ground. We talked about some things that happened in Florida. I asked him about Urban Meyer. What's his future? Tim Tebow on the show. Oh, by the way, does he have a Heisman list right now? He is a Heisman Trophy winner. So really fun show that wraps with Tim freaking Tebow. Tim Tebow. Wraps the show on today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So you talk about a Wednesday in September. Who's delivering like your boy Torres? Nobody. With that said, before we get to the show itself, a couple quick announcements. First of all, shout out to our partners, our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook. 
I've told you their story. I got some cool stuff to tell you about Betfred. By the way, don't know how many of you watched Joe Burrow's press conference today, uh, but Joe Burrow in the backdrop, the Betfred logo was there, uh, courtesy of Betfred. They are, of course, the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, of the Colorado Rockies, of the Denver Broncos. Started in the UK back in 1967, 1,600 shops overseas. Uh, they are one of the most credible, respected books overseas, and now they are in the United States taking things by storm. And what I love about them, it's what I just told you. Nobody takes care of their betters, their clients, better than Betfred does. That's why I'm so excited to work with them. They take care of you in ways you can't even imagine. Sweets at the Bengals game, sweets at the uh, Broncos games. They had a huge tailgate. At prior to the Broncos game last Sunday, uh, first pitch at the Rockies game. They had a bar crawl, tailgate, bar hopping thing in Scottsdale for the, the Arizona Cardinals-Las Vegas Raiders game on Sunday. So nobody takes care of you quite like Betfred Sports. And they got a special offer heading into the weekend. College football, NFL, whatever, does not matter. If you bet $50 as a first-time better on any game, college, pro, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, whatever, Saturday afternoon. They will give you 250 in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Go ahead, make sure to take advantage of that. First time users, we are so excited to be working with Betfred. We got some big stuff coming up with Betfred, so make sure you pay attention. Also, very quickly, Bracket Fanatics, week two is in the books. It is not too late to sign up for the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. We are through two weeks. We are giving away $100 cash prizes every week, but we got ourselves a $1,000 cash prize as well, and it's not too late to enter. Click the link in the show description. Click the link tagged on top of my Twitter bio, and we will obviously be sending out a notification going into the weekend. Just got to pick the games, win or loser, no against the spread, nothing like that. $100 weekly winners, $1,000 season-long cash prize. It is not too late to sign up. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics, and of course, thank you to Betfred, our presenting sponsor. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll tell you this, these Wednesday shows are fun because it's kind of that middle ground, right? It's a little tiny bit early to preview the weekend, but you're kind of over last weekend. And so what I wanted to do, one of the big games on Saturday uh, is Texas A&M at Arkansas. And on Thursday's show and on Friday's show, we're going to do all the normal preview stuff that we always do. Um, and we're going to hit on this game from every angle. And I think it's a really interesting game. Top 25 matchup. We know what's at stake for Texas A&M. We know Arkansas beat them last year. So we'll do the traditional preview on Thursday or Friday's Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Why I bring it up, though, it is because I thought about something as I was kind of prepping, going through notes, thinking about this game earlier in the week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, as I did my prep. Something struck me. Is this a matchup between maybe the most likable, the most, I should say, I don't want to say likable because that implies my own emotion, but the most liked coach in college football, Sam Pittman, versus the least liked coach in college football, and Jimbo Fisher. Not saying that's how I personally feel. But watching from the outside, that is kind of the vibe I get. And I do think going into Jerry World on Saturday, it's almost a little bit of a good versus evil Arkansas versus Texas A&M. And so I'll be honest, right? I was thinking about this earlier, but I also got this idea. I want to give credit where it's due. Uh, Connor O'Gara, who writes for Saturday Down South, really popular college football website. I'm sure all of you have read it, 
listen to it. They have podcasts, YouTube, whatever. So a few days ago, Peter Burns from SEC Network put out a tweet, and he asked a very simple question. He said, what is the most likable college football program in the country right now? It can't be your favorite team. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South responded with this tweet. I thought it was really smart. He said, it's Arkansas. Arkansas is America's team. They have no bitter rivals. They have the most likable coach in college football, an offensive style with modern concepts, but physical in a way that your dad will love, and they haven't won enough for you to hate them. And so while I disagree on some of it, I do agree on a lot of what Connor said, and something really struck me. Is Arkansas the most likable team in college football? And is Sam Pittman the most likable coach? Because I can't speak to the most likable team in college football. I do think Sam Pittman might just be college football's most likable coach. And it's funny because I was thinking about this, and I'm going to make a weird cross-sport analogy that a lot of you are probably going to sit there. When I start this, you're going to scratch your head. And then when I explain it, you're going to say, ah, you know, that Torres guy kind of makes sense on this one. But you know who Sam Pittman is right now? You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. Don't laugh. Hold back that laughter. Sam Pittman, I'm going to say this. He is the Steph Curry of college football. You're thinking Steph Curry, skinny, uh, athletic, NBA player with Sam Pittman, you know, former offensive line coach. What does that mean? Well, let me go ahead and, and explain why I believe that Sam Pittman is the Steph Curry of, co of, the, of college football. So with Steph Curry, he is obviously an insanely talented player. But there are insanely talented players in basketball, football, whatever, that aren't just almost universally revered. And, I, you know, I've had my things with Steph Curry, but it really is, as time goes on, it's really hard not to like him. And I do think part of what makes Steph Curry so likable is he's like the most relatable superstar the NBA could possibly have. Don't know how many of you can relate to Shaq being seven foot one or LeBron James being six foot nine and ripped out of his mind at 37, 38 years old. Don't know how many of you can relate to Anthony Davis seven feet and he doesn't even show up for work half the time, doesn't even pick up a basketball for two months in the offseason or Kawhi or Kevin Love or Luca or whoever. But Steph Curry, he's kind of relatable, right? He's short. He doesn't have the you know, physique of, of a professional athlete. Like if you just saw Steph Curry walking down the street and you didn't know who he was, NBA superstar would not immediately jump out. Not super strong, not super tall, not super athletic, uh, went to a small school. We all know the story. Wasn't recruited by his father, Dell's alma mater, Virginia Tech. They had no interest in him, had to go to the small school, was overlooked, and there is, a, there is a very relatable quality to Steph Curry. There is a relatable quality in the sense that I think young kids can go to the backyard and say, I'm going to shoot those crazy off-balance threes like Steph Curry. I'm not going to grow to be six foot nine like LeBron James. I'm not going to grow to be uh, seven foot one like Shaq. But I might be six two, and maybe I can be the next Steph Curry. Now, there's only one Steph Curry, young children. I don't mean to ruin your vibe here, but... There is something very relatable to Steph Curry, and that doesn't even include off the court, the grandpa shoes that we all know about. You know, the fact that his wife and his kids are very involved in his life. Uh, I say it all the time. You know, when we talk about somebody's brand in sports, I think we all think about Gronk, party guy, whatever. Steph Curry has a brand too. It's wholesome family man. Good for him. That's who he is. Um, but I think there's a very relatable quality about Steph Curry. And so I bring it up. Because I do think that Sam Pittman 
is the Steph Curry of college football. There is something very relatable about Sam Pittman as a head coach. Now, I don't know if kids are in the backyard, you know, walking around with a headset wanting to be the next Sam Pittman, but there's something really relatable about him, right? Um, you know, first of all, big, you know, offensive line coach, you know, the, again, the physique. You, you see Steph Curry and you don't think of him as an NBA player. You probably see Sam Pittman and he doesn't have the, the, the build of, an, of, a, of a head coach of a major college football program. He looks like the guy that you can have beers with down at the bar after a hard day's work. He looks like the guy that's fixing your car. He looks like the guy uh, that sits in the stands with you watching these games. Um, and he's got that kind of unique background. Things weren't handed to him. It wasn't easy. He got his first major head coaching job at 59, 60 years old. He doesn't appear to be wanting to climb the ladder. It's funny, right? A few weeks ago, the Nebraska job opens up and his name gets mentioned in the mix. Sam Pittman has said, like, on the record, he said, I'm a terrible negotiator. My agent's going to be mad. But if everything goes well, if they'll have me at Arkansas, I want to retire here. You know, he's not trying to sell you something. He's not trying to this. He's not trying to that. He's goofy. Um, he says stuff at the podium. In so many ways, he's the anti-coach, right? First of all, the background. Again, Steph Curry, unique background, wasn't a, a named a child prodigy at 15 years old, had to work for it. And I'm not saying there's one way is better than the other. But at the same time, Steph Curry had to work. Sam Pittman, 60 years old, did not get his first head coaching job. Think about most of the other coaches in college football. First of all, most of them just aren't relatable at all. But most of them feels like they're trying to sell you something. Feels like they're insincere. They don't really answer questions at your press conferences. They make reporters feel dumb. Sometimes they make fans feel dumb. Um, you know, they think they're they act like they're better than you. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's the fact. And Sam Pittman is kind of the opposite of it. Came up unique background, worked for it, has fun. That's the other thing too with Sam Pittman. You can tell that guy loves being the head coach at Arkansas. Loves being the head coach in the SEC. And I think that, that again, he's the most maybe likable coach in college football. And I'll say this. I don't know if Arkansas is the most likable team, but they do play a very likable style as a team, right? Again, not everybody in college football can be Lincoln Riley's USC and just bring in a five-star quarterback and bring in a bunch of five-star receivers and put up 60 points a game. Not everybody can be Ohio State. Not everybody can be Alabama. Not everybody can be Georgia, even though they do it differently, where they just have these six, seven, you know, 260-pound freaks running all over the field, making tackles, you know, five yards in the backfield. But Arkansas, there's something very relatable about how they play, about the fact that their style is basically, we're just going to line up, we're going to run the ball at you, and it's on you to stop us. Good luck. We don't think you can do it. Their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, unique background there. Was a, He was a four-star, but I looked it up before the show. He was like the 331st-ranked player in college football. All offseason, all we hear about is Will Levis at Kentucky, is Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, is Stetson Bennett, is, is, is Bryce Young. And I'm not saying those guys don't deserve the acclaim, but have you seen K.J. Jefferson lately? That guy's awesome, yet he's completely overlooked. And so I do think that Arkansas, again, I don't know if they are the most likable team in college football, but I think they're in the short conversation. Unless you're an LSU fan or a Missouri fan, I don't know how you can't like Arkansas. I don't know how you can't like a coach that's 60 years old and doesn't take himself too seriously and didn't get his big break until two or three years ago. 
I don't know how you can't like a quarterback who's been doubted for most of his career, who's never mentioned among the elite of the elite, even though he's completing 71% of his passes this year and has a million touchdowns. So I do think Arkansas is about the most likable team in college football. Then there's Texas A&M. And let me say this about Texas A&M, because we got a lot of A&M fans that listen to this show. It's nothing personal. I personally have no beef with Texas A&M. I like the growth of the program. I like the fact that there is maybe another program on the rise in the SEC. Listen, I love Nick Saban in Alabama. I'm getting kind of bored of watching him run through this league. And I like that there is a team and a fan base that want to compete and believe they are ready to compete with him at the highest level. App State aside. At the same time, though, I'm not talking about my personal opinion. I am talking about the public perception. And the public perception, I'll say this. I don't ever remember a program in college football going from nondescript, no strong opinions to absolutely hated, quite like Texas A&M over the last six months, right? I mean, Notre Dame, it's generational hate. Ohio State, it's generational hate. Alabama, you get tired of watching them win. Texas A&M out of nowhere just became a team that nobody likes. And to be clear, again, I don't get it, right? But Texas A&M, I think there's this perception. We know what they are accused of in recruiting. I've talked about it many times. I've said that there are very logical reasons why Texas A&M could sign the number one class in the country. They signed 12, 13 elite players from the Houston area where they always recruit well. They took advantage of some coaching turnover at places like LSU, Florida, Miami, Oklahoma. Were able to get in on kids there that had already committed or were about to commit. And so I... I, I, I don't have any problem with what they're doing, but it's very clear, and I think Texas A&M fans would agree, that other schools seem to have a problem with it. Nick Saban seems to have a problem with it. Lane Kiffin seems to have a problem with it. And it's very clear that college football fans have a problem with it as well. Again, in the same way that I don't know that Arkansas is the most hated program in college or the most liked program in college football, I can't definitively say Texas A&M is the most hated program in college football. But right now, I'd say they're in the short discussion, right? If you Notre Dame's kind of hard to hate when they're getting their brains beat in by Marshall. Uh, Ohio State, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're hated. Alabama, I guess they're hated. It seems like everybody is out on Texas A&M except for a select few people. I include myself. Uh, and then I would say from the coaching perspective, isn't it kind of the same with Jimbo Fisher? It's amazing because there are certain guys that just for whatever reason, and I talk about them on this show all the time, they really do rub people the wrong way. It's kind of crazy, right? I talked about it on Tuesday's show. Brian Kelly. People just don't like him. Jim Harbaugh. People just don't like him. Um, you know, whoever. And then there's the other guys that people love. Always, Everybody always loved Coach O. Uh, everybody always, you know, people seem to like Brent Venables, right? Uh, whatever. Everybody seems to hate Jimbo Fisher. I don't get it. I really don't. I was in the Rose Bowl the year that Jimbo Fisher won a national championship against Auburn. I saw him build Florida State. Florida State was bad when he took over. They were awesome. Uh, in the you know kind of at his apex now I understand the program fell off I understand what's going on in Texas A&M but there is something about Jimbo Fisher that people just do not like I don't know if it's the way he talks I don't know if it's the way he answers questions I don't know if it's the way that he wasn't afraid to snap back at Nick Saban but it is clear people don't like him it's funny I'll tell you a quick side story Bracket Fanatics who's doing our NFL Pick'em Challenge I was talking to the guy who runs Bracket Fanatics the other day on the phone and he said, I heard your show. I just can't stand that Jimbo guy. And he doesn't even like college football. So imagine being a Bama fan, a Texas fan, a Arkansas fan, a whoever, a, a Georgia fan, an LSU fan. Jimbo gets under people's skin. Now, it's kind of he's kind of at that weird, 
like Jim Harbaugh before he won the Big Ten phase, where eventually if he doesn't start winning, like, you know, he's going to be not winning enough to hate. But right now, I would say if we're doing a power rankings of least like coach in college football, Jimbo Fisher is probably number one. Not saying it's my personal opinion, just saying it in general. So I think it's a fascinating concept heading into Saturday, heading into Texas A&M, Arkansas. Is it possible we have the most liked team in college football and the least liked team? Is it possible we have the most liked coach and the least liked coach? Something to think about. Just something to think about as we head into Saturday. All right, that's what I want to do. Take a quick break. Come back. We are going to talk a little bit about the really just honestly sad state of affairs with Imani Bates. What happened? What went wrong? Who's to blame? We're going to discuss all that. And then from there, the big one. Timothy Tebow is joining the show. He's here on behalf of Allstate. We're going to talk about a little bit about his role with Allstate, Florida, college football, Urban Meyer. We got a lot to talk about. I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I uh, do want to switch gears and do want to talk a little hoops because uh, there was a, a, a little piece of news, not a good piece of news over the last couple days uh, that really is worth visiting here for a few different reasons. And it comes from a player and a person that we have talked about quite a bit on this show. And unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of good updates as of late. And that is Imani Bates, the former number one high school basketball player in America, reclassified last year, went to Memphis, all that good stuff, ends up at Eastern Michigan this summer. It's been a quiet few months. We haven't really heard from him. He commits. It's been quiet. And then all of a sudden, we did get actually a very sad story on, uh, on Sunday night as Imani Bates was arrested, uh, uh, pulled over in a car, gun possession, all that stuff. And to be clear, the lawyer says it's complicated. We don't have all the details yet. And when we do, he'll be exonerated. But what I would just say is this is another sad twist for a young man that had, you know, the world in front of him. And, and I just, you know, to be blunt, I feel bad, but I do, I, I do feel like we need to talk about it. You know, one, um, first of all, I know I've done this a million times, but let me give the quick backstory really quick for people who are either new to the show, don't follow this stuff as closely. 
This kid was widely regarded as basically the best high school player since LeBron early in his high school career. Now, I don't like labels like that, but it was placed upon him. And I will say, early on, um, I don't know if he lived up to the billing, but he was elite of elite of elite of elite. He was the Michigan High School Player of the Year. They play good basketball in the state of Michigan, especially at the high school level. He was the Michigan High School Player of the Year as a freshman. Um, He was the Gatorade National Player of the Year as a sophomore in the 2019-2020 season, meaning, uh, for those of you who don't follow that closely, he beat out Cade Cunningham for that award. He beat out Evan Mobley for that award. Um, You know, he beat out... I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, Paolo Bancaro for that award. I mean, there were some really good players uh, in high school at that time. And as a sophomore, he won the National High School Player of the Year. So it shows you how talented he was. Uh, but really, that was unfortunately basically the high point of his career. COVID hits, um, and it really felt like at that point, his development was really stunted. Comes out of COVID uh, last summer, so not this past summer, but but the previous summer of 2021. That's after his junior year. Um, it becomes clear that not only is he not going to be the next LeBron or KD, but that he's not even the best high school player in his class anymore. Then stuns a lot of people deciding to enroll at Memphis rather than play his senior year of high school. He's falling down the rankings, so rather than working on his game, he decides to speed up the process and enroll at Memphis. That obviously does not work well. Uh, is at Memphis for the year, but midway through the year, he leaves the team. Mysterious circumstances. There's this weird back injury, but he's got to go back to Michigan to get it checked out. Finally comes back to the team right around the NCAA tournament. They end up losing in the second round to Gonzaga. And then, of course, after the season, announces that he is going to leave the school. At the time, I said I thought he should get off the radar. Don't play college basketball. He was not because of his age eligible for the NBA draft. And I said, Go to one of these pro leagues, get off the radar, train for a year, get with professional coaches, and get ready for the 2023 NBA draft. Instead, he goes to Eastern Michigan. He is from the area. Uh, Kind of another weird decision, you know, back to a place where he's going to be the focal point, whether he's ready to be or not. And then, of course, there was Sunday's news. And it is worth noting, as I record here on late Tuesday, um, you know, there's still a lot of details to be had. The lawyer says... Um, you know, the lawyer says that, um, you know, that, that the car wasn't his and because the car wasn't his, the gun wasn't his, there's more details to come out. And so to be clear, I'm not, you know, prosecuting him here on the Aaron sports podcast. Uh, I'm not calling him a bad person. He's a young kid who clearly made a mistake, but as I said, it is another just disappointing, sad twist for a kid that had his whole future in front of him. And I do, in fact, worry about that future. And so let's talk about it, because I just want to say a couple things as it pertains to the present and future of Amani Bates. First of all, and I know I've said this before, but I got to say it again. I just feel bad for this kid. And I understand that in the eyes of the law, um, he is 18 years old. He is an adult. um, And he made a very dumb decision, whether you're a kid or you're an adult, um, whether it was his car or not. You got to be careful who, where you're driving, what's in the car, all that good stuff. Um, But I do feel bad for him. Because we've talked about this before, and I think now that we are getting in the NIL space, we are seeing this more and more publicly, is that I do think that the adults in his life, and again, I understand he's sort of an adult, but he's not really an adult. I don't think the adults in his life have ever had his best interests at heart. Every decision they have made over the last five, six years has been to get the most money now, to stunt. Nothing is in the interest of his best long-term, in the best interest of his development. You can go back to when he was in high school. He was winning at a really high level at the local high school. Dad decides, you know what, rather than than keep playing there, we're going to open up a prep school uh, and everything's going to be built around him. 
teammates that disagree are going to get thrown out of the school, which is literally what happened. Um, as I said, when he starts falling down the rankings, rather than getting back in the gym, um, decides to speed up the process and go to college before he's physically ready, emotionally ready, all that good stuff, which we saw last year at Memphis. And then, as I just said a minute ago, um, it falls apart at Memphis. It doesn't work. You know, there's mixed reports, but basically it appears as though Penny Hardaway did not welcome him back. And in the process, again, there was a smart move to make. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but the smart move would have been, this is a kid, he's falling down the rankings, his career is in jeopardy, probably best get him off the radar, as I said, get him to G League Ignite, get him with professional coaches. I've mentioned the name many times. Jason Hart played in the NBA for 10 years, runs the G League Ignite program. That's a guy that you want to be working with behind the scenes. Instead, they send him to Eastern Michigan. And so one, I do feel bad for him. I do think the adults in his life have failed him um, in a way that, that I think we are now starting to see the ripple effects of, again, his career potentially being on the line. Two, you know who else I blame in this? The media. I, I blame the media. I really do. And because one thing I have said about this kid dating back to when he committed to Eastern Michigan, or when he committed to Michigan State as a sophomore, as a freshman, you saw these write-ups of he's the best since LeBron, he's the next KD. And I said, it is so ridiculous to put that label on any 14, 15, 16-year-old. And I can go through the list of all these guys that had similar labels at a very young age that did not live up to expectations through no fault of their own. You can't be putting labels on kids like that at 14, 15, 16 years old. It's not fair to them, and it's not realistic, right? Again, you want names? I'll give you names. Uh, there was a kid named Lenny Cook, who people said was incredible. I don't think he ever played in the NBA, was a year younger than LeBron. Got anointed at 15, 16 years old. Kid named Shea Cotton, go back and look him up, was a superstar as a sophomore, never played in the NBA. Um, you know, you go on and on and on down the list. You get anointed at 14, 15, 16 years old. Rarely does it work. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. The only guy that I can remember it really working out for is LeBron James, right? I mean, think about LeBron is the outlier. LeBron, you know, everybody, everybody, whatever. But it's like you want to compare him to LeBron's a one of one. We've never seen anybody like LeBron. And I'll be honest, I don't think we'll ever see anybody like LeBron again who comes into the NBA and is awesome at 17, 18 years old. I don't think we're going to see that. And I think it's the media's responsibility to stop placing labels on these kids. Let them get through sophomore, junior, senior year of high school. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't even think we should rank high school players until after their junior year. There's too many things. There's too many variables that you can't account for. Some kids grow fast. Some kids grow slow. Some kids hit a growth spurt uh, when they're 19, 20 years old. Some kids uh, hit a growth spurt when they're 13 and stop growing. Um, maturity issues, all that stuff. And so to me, I do think this is partly on the media. They placed unrealistic expectations on him, expectations that nobody could live up to. And now we're seeing the trickle-down effect where, again, he's in a bad situation. Um, it hasn't been helped by the adults in his life. And again, I just feel bad for him. Finally, what I would say, and this is probably going to be unpopular, and if NBA Twitter gets a hold of it or if you know the wrong people get a hold of it, I don't really care. This is why this is a perfect example of why I would not change the one-and-done rule. And listen, I, I told you on Tuesday's show, I don't really care. My life doesn't change. College basketball is going to go on, and if you're a Kentucky fan, you're always going to love Kentucky. If you're a UCLA fan, if you're a Houston fan, if you're a Texas A&M fan, whatever. If you love your team, you're always going to love them. But what I said on Tuesday, this story is so applicable. 
I would not change the one and done rule because I don't think the answer to what ails the NBA right now is giving younger kids more money at an earlier age. Think about Amani Bates. Amani Bates had it all at 14, 15 years old, all the good and all the bad. He had all the hype. He had all, by the way, all the talent. There's no, there's no questioning that. Um, all the hype, all the media coverage. And there's good and bad with that too. Amani Bates has talked about the negative of it. Amani Bates has talked about the people that would get in his mentions after a bad game, people that would DM him privately. He said at one point he wanted to quit. And so you're seeing the, the, the trickle-down effect of this kid very publicly is struggling with fame and accountability and all of the things that a lot of people with, and now you're doing it under a microscope. And so why I don't think we should be changing the one-and-done rule, making it younger to get into the NBA, giving kids more money at an earlier age most people just aren't ready to handle it. And oh, by the way, it's not like they're not getting paid in college now. They're getting NIL money. So let them go to college for a year. Let them show you who they are. Let them show you how they handle being on their own. Let them show you how to handle, uh, you know, are they going to show up to practice on time? Are they going to be accountable? How are they going to play against older players? How are they going to, by the way, handle money now that they're getting money at the college level? Let them do all that rather than just giving it to them at 17, 18 years old. I'm not going to change my opinion. I don't. My life doesn't change if the one and done rule gets changed. I'm just trying to look out for the best of basketball, for the best of the NBA and the best of college. And I do think for the NBA's purposes, that one year is good to show you how players handle playing against better competition, how they handle, again, being on their own and now handle getting money. And so I don't think when, let me, let me put it this way as we kind of wrap the segment, we'll get to Tim Tebow here in a second. But as I just said, um, you're, you're now, we're talking about a situation where you're potentially handing millions of dollars, millions of dollars to an 18-year-old kid straight out of high school. And some are going to be Kobe Bryant and LeBron James, and they're going to handle it really well, and they're going to be a professional. It's going to be all about basketball. Not all of them are, though. Um, and, and I just think, you know, to me, it just cracks me up. When you're a business owner and you're making a million-dollar investment, my guess would be you want more information, not less. Yet the NBA apparently has decided that they want less information. So, you know... It, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse on the one and done stuff, whether it happens, whether it doesn't, my life doesn't really change, but I think Amani Bates is the latest example of you give people too much too soon. You give people more than they can handle. It doesn't always work out well. All right. So what I'll do, take a quick break. Do you want to come back? And when I come back, you talk about a very special guest, Tim Tebow, legend, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. We talk about a lot, including Urban Meyer. Does Tim think he's going to coach again? We're going to discuss all that. That's coming up next. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, join. All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, very special guest. Uh, I, I don't think I need to uh, to give out the, the prerequisites. Tim Tebow, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick, uh, here on behalf of Allstate Good Works team. Tim Tebow, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, first of all, you know, Allstate Good Works, I know a little bit about it. You know, I know you're an alum. Um, and, you know, a lot of big names, Peyton Manning, RG3, Emmanuel Acho, on and on. But again, you're here on behalf of Allstate Good Works team. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing. Well, I was fortunate to be on the team my senior year and to then be an ambassador for many years after. And I love it because, you know, being part of the Good Works team isn't for what you do on the field. It's for who you are and the choices you make off of it. And these 22 um members of the team this year 11 from the fbs and the other 11 are made up of fcs division two II, division three nai they're an amazing they're a group of amazing young men that are making impacts in their schools campuses uh cities communities and honestly for some of them around the world anders carlson he's doing work in the dominican republic Caleb williams is you know all over the west coast um you know, just so many of these amazing young men are having massive impacts, and that's why I love being a part of it because it's so easy for how football to get caught up in just what happens between the light white lines, and we forget to celebrate who so many of these main young men are off of the field and the impacts that they're making and the ripple effects that those have. Yeah, how you know it's something that you and your career have been very vocal about. Um, you know, contributing. You know, using your platform for good. Um, how good is it for you to kind of see the younger generation, especially a guy like Caleb Williams, right? We, we read about the on the field performance, the, uh, you know, business opportunities that he now has, but I know he's not the only one. So I don't want to just kind of put the spotlight on him, but to kind of see that, that, that torch in its own way passed down from your generation, previous generations, and the kids now uh, still have an appreciation for kind of helping out and using that platform. For yeah, m- many before me. It's just been really encouraging. Honestly, one thing that's been so cool is, is a lot of these guys have had opportunities in the NIL space, and they've taken, you know, some of them have taken a lot of it. Some have taken portions of it and given it to charities and used it. So it's not just been with their actions. It's also actually now been with their pocket as well, and that's been really cool to be able to see that impact. And I think what it's important to realize and what they have realized is the ripple effects that come from their actions, right? Is what they've been blessed with the platform and opportunity. And when they make decisions to care, to love, to support, to give back, it also is contagious for their community, for their teammates, for other people that can rally with them and beside them. And now that ripple effect is so much more because there's a movement versus just a moment. You know, speaking, you know, I just mentioned Caleb Williams, all that real quick. You're obviously now you, you, you've played, you've played at the highest levels. You're now in the analyst role. I mean, college football is a lot different than when you played just 10 years or so ago. But as an analyst and as a guy that gets to travel these campuses, watch what has you excited about college football so far this season? Well, I, I think it's the upsets. I think it's the, the small schools challenging. I mean, if, if you were to pause it on Saturday night at one point, it looked like UTSA could have beaten um, Texas. It looked like uh, Missouri State could have upset Arkansas. Um, South Florida moment. and Florida. South Florida, South Florida was at that moment was beating Florida. Like it was over and over and over again. And you're thinking uh, uh, Utah was tied with San Diego State at that moment. 
Um, what, what else was there? I mean, it's six or seven games yeah. that are it's at that moment, right? And a lot of the favorites went on to win. But these are competitive games. I think a couple of things. One, it's because the schemes are better, meaning they're able to play less of 11 on 11 and now more versus, you know, one on one, two on two and get more players in space. Like you look at a few of the, the slot receivers of Missouri State has a UTSA. Those guys, I mean, they can play. You look at some of the guys for Fresno State when they're playing SC, right? Those slots and receivers and little scat backs, can, they can go and they can play. And now they're being used more in space. So I think the scheme helps it. And that's really exciting. And I think, you know, uh, some of these guys not playing at other schools for whatever reason, then being able to go get another chance, I think you see them thrive sometimes in the second opportunities. And that's really fun to see. And then can we just talk about some of these endings, right? Sure. I mean, it's just a madhouse, right? I mean, obviously, everyone's going to talk about Troy, App State, App State, North Carolina, you know, some of these games. But, man, it's just the fourth quarters have been so exciting and, I mean, crazy endings. And I think that's what's exciting right now about college football. And so much more I could mention, but, man, pretty fun. You know, you mentioned kind of the schemes evolving and all that. When you were at Florida, you know, Urban Meyer was very much at the forefront of, you know, he was the offensive genius of his time. I know to, to ask you to encapsulate four years in a one-sentence answer or whatever – what was it like uh, to be a Florida Gator at that time? You guys were on top of college football. The basketball team was good. I was talking Jimmy to Mike. was good. Gymnastics yes. was good. Softball was awesome. Yeah, it was special. I mean, it was cool when you would go to like a training table and you would have guys that you knew were about to be Olympians, guys that have already won natties, guys that were about to be first round picks and whatever they did, um, you know, uh, um, Stacy Nelson, our softball pitcher, none of our baseball guys could even hit her, you know, like yeah. it was awesome. So it's just, a, it was a fun time. And, you know, remember like we would go to the O-Dome to watch the basketball team and we would just be so excited to watch Joe Kim, Noah and the boys, you know, just be able to mash other teams. And honestly, I think we all played off of it. I think it honestly genuinely made us better because we could go learn from the basketball team um, we could share insights with softball and vice versa and always learn and, and talk about it. Even though we're, we're training our skill set that's, you know, to be played in something different, you know, pressure is pressure. Big moments are big moments, you know. Uh, attention to detail, those are all, all things that you can learn from one another. And I think um, we did and we, you know, also didn't want to be the, you know, the laughing stock of the school, right? We knew everyone was being held to such a high standard and that mattered. What is it about what is it about Coach Meyer that allowed you guys to have success, Ohio State, Utah? I mean, everywhere the guy has gone, immediate success, sustained success. You know him probably as well as anybody, you know, from a football perspective. What has allowed him to be that guy everywhere he goes in college? Well, I think he's a he's I think he's a really good evaluator of talent and recruiter of it. And then I think he's a very good um um he, you know, he's someone that demands excellence and, and, and then tries to get a good coaching staff around him to make everybody live up to that level that, you know, that is demanded of them, you know? And um, I think those are some really, you know, those are some qualities that not everybody has, right? Not everybody. And I think those are some things that he does that, man, he's, you look at all his players that played for him at Ohio State and Florida, how many guys went on to go to the next level? He's, he's very good at seeing talent and then demanding it at a very high level. 
He was a little bit in the news this week. He was out in Nebraska, and there was all sorts of sort of reports, sort of not reports. He is just 58 years old. You know, Nick Saban's doing it at 71, 72. Do you think he has one more run in him? Do you think he wants one more run in him before it's all said and done? I I think he's a competitor. I know he's a competitor. And that competitive side, right, it's a balance, right? It's a it's always the balance of, you know, what's in you. We're not just made of one emotion or one feeling. I think his competitive side is probably saying, you know, ooh, that could be, you know, I could, you know, well, let's see what I could do here. Let's see what I could do here. So driven. But the other side is, you know, it's uh, being around his family and around his girls and having more grandkids now. Um, that matters as well. And I think that's always, you know, I know for a long time that's been a, a balancing act. Yeah. Couple questions we'll get you out of here. We mentioned what's happened in college football. We're now entering SEC play, Big Ten play. Again, I know it's a it's a tough question to answer in, in one or two minutes, but as we move forward with college football, uh, what are you most looking forward to now again that we're into SEC Big Ten conference play in general? Ooh, that's Ooh. a it's a good question. Um all right, is, is anybody going to be able to match up with Ohio State and C.J. Stroud, right? Michigan's looked really good, you know. Um, I love that J.J.'s been able to really show some new dynamic things. And I think Michigan has probably realized that you could get through pieces of the Big Ten and then maybe upset Ohio State but still not have what it takes to win the Natty, right? So now they're probably focusing their brain of we got to do what it takes to win, but we also got to prepare for an Alabama, Georgia, knowing that because last year it wasn't competitive, you know. And I think a hardball, he's a good enough coach, and he knows, okay, like JJ's got to be a playmaker to help get us over that next hump. And um, so that's interesting to see what's going to happen there in the Big Ten. I love how Penn State played this weekend against Auburn. Jordan Hare, such a hard place to play, and I know they don't have a really good team this year. But that's still a hard place to play, and they played really well. So that's going to be an exciting mix of what's going to come out of that. I still think you got to look at C.J. Stroud as a leader and one of the leaders in the Heisman Clubhouse. I also think Stetson Bennett's up there and Caleb Williams, all three of those guys, you know, early season pushes. That's way too early. There's, you know, we're three weeks in, so it's way too early. But all three of those guys looking like you as a when do you as a Heisman voter start thinking about? You have that responsibility every week. Every week. Every week. Yeah. Every, I watch it every week from from the landscape of, you know, um, college football playoff. I look at it from landscape of matchups. I look at it from landscape of Heisman. I wa- I'll watch for especially the guys that are in the race. I'll watch every single play. It matters to me that much of how important the votes are. And that's why I get so mad when people are turned off and they won't watch the end of games or they won't watch, you know, um, even the, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, oh, this is a front runner. But they won't actually have even seen his last, you know couple of plays or his last game just so frustrating you know every play matters you got to evaluate because it's so close between all these guys and it their play matters enough that we need to honor them by watching all those plays especially when you're voting on it and you know that's important to me no some some guys say that you don't focus too much too early in the season blah 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 so i was just curious but tim I know you have a lot of other calls. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Again, you're here on behalf of Allstate Good Works team. Where can people find out more about your campaign, your work, and then the campaign in general? ESPN.com and then backslash Allstate and go to it. And they can actually vote on the team captains, um, uh, which is really cool. And it's a really big deal as well because that's uh, out of 22 amazing young men, that's a huge honor so that's pretty cool are you following the scouting reports on the all-state good works team like you are your heisman trophy vote same thing 
So, dude, it is so hard to be able to, um, when we're looking at all of the resumes of what all these guys have done and you're looking at everything, you're like, how, how can I possibly narrow it down or, you know, vote between all these guys? But it's awesome that there's that much competition of what they're doing. It's really hard, though. So I think when everybody goes and they look at the resumes, they're also going to be like, dang, like what this person did this year is more than I've done most of my life. You know, it's yeah. awesome. Tim Tebow here on behalf of Allstate Good Works team. Tim, again, I know you got a million calls today. Genuinely appreciate you carving out a few minutes. Uh, best of luck. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season. It seems like you're as excited as anybody that's listening right now. So I appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. Love the sport. Fun to talk about, it, especially what these young men are doing. So cool. So thanks for having me, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.